0: Hello and welcome to Sean White's solar and energy storage podcast. You can find out more about Sean White and his classes at solarshawn.com. That's solar S-E-A-N.com. This podcast that you are about to listen to is part two in a series of podcasts made from an interview with Brian Hayden in April of 2020. Brian is one of the founders of HeatSpring along with Duncan Miller. And I got to know Brian because in 2014, Brian gave me a call and asked me if I wanted to be a heat spring teacher. We got into that conversation a little bit more and it ended up being, I said, can I work on my sailboat and sail around the world and teach for heat spring? And he said, yes. And I said, sign me up. And so I've been working for heat spring ever since. One of the things that people think about me a lot of times is that I only work for Heatspring, and I also do live classes on my own. I'm one of those people that is an independent contractor. I work for myself. I have my own company, and that's the way that Heatspring works with its instructors. It's a really neat arrangement because it benefits everyone to get more business on Heatspring, and so myself and all the other instructors on Heatspring, we just do our classes and we split the money and i bet brian probably came up with that so hello brian how you Um, doing sean thanks for having me uh, yeah thanks for being on and did you come up with the idea or i guess you somehow knew duncan or i don't i don't even know if you've ever even met duncan in person in fact i don't even know if you're ai artificial intelligence because i've never met you in person are you a person
1: i'm i'm a real person and uh, I have feelings I can and everything
0: Confirm that someday.
1: Yeah. You know, the idea of heat spring came Duncan and I were grad students at Babson college, we were getting MBAs and we were really interested in helping the world deploy Great. more renewable energy. Mm-hmm. And it took us a long time to figure out how we could kind of contribute to that, where we could add value. What we wanted to do was we wanted to be integrators of renewable energy systems. And as we went out to go learn how to do that, We were not super impressed with the options available to us when it came to training. And so as an intermediate step, we started to organize trainings in the Boston area, all live training. And when we were talking to the people that we wanted to learn from, they were kind of the people who wrote the book on the topic. And they weren't very interested in coming to work for us. They were usually very successful on their own. And so we felt kind of lucky that we would get some of their time. And so I think that's probably why it was out of necessity that we didn't hire instructors. We said we'd rather have the best instructor in the world for three days than an average instructor that we could employ year-round. What time frame was this? This was 2007. Great. So yeah, we've always felt that when you take a training, whether it's history or math or solar, you know, the main reason that you take the class and whether you like it or not is based on the teacher. And so it was always important to us to have the best teachers. And when you work with the best, you either have to pay them tons and tons and tons of money, or you have to be respectful of their time, give them a good ROI on their time. And the other thing too, was intellectual property of the content. A lot of training organizations try to own the content and so we didn't feel that was kind of a tenable situation when you were dealing with people who were writing books. It was very important to them that they were able to own their content and so that was the other reason why we didn't try to fight that battle with people and we said you can own your content, you can do other things and when you're here at Heat Spring, we expect you to bring your best and your best content and do an amazing job for the students. and we want to give you such a good experience that you keep coming back and working with us. And so that's been the model for the last 13 years.
0: Great, great. That's kind of interesting. I didn't even know this background. So I was kind of excited about talking to you here so I could find out the history of HeatSpring. So it goes back to you guys were trying to get trained to be integrators, right? So you wanted to be the kind of people that we have in our classes.
1: Yeah. Yeah. We just felt so excited and just felt that the future is here already and it's just not it's not out there and people just don't understand it and this was at a time when climate change was not such a hot topic oil prices were quite high it was before the recession that happened in 2008 and 2009 so oil Mm -hmm. prices were just sky high and we just felt that it was such an obvious solution and we wanted to go out and Johnny Appleseed and kind of spread the word and let people know about renewable energy and make money doing it. We had a business background and so we didn't feel embarrassed about wanting to make money along the way. And it's that same attitude that we've tried to bring to the education business, which is, you know, we have to be bringing value to the businesses of the people in the classes. And so, you know, I think we can relate in a lot of ways to the people who take our courses because that's who we wanted to be. And so we have a huge amount of admiration and, you know, we want to be helpful to the people who are taking our classes because that's what we think is the most important work.
0: Great. Okay. Well, you know, you guys still can take our classes and become integrators.
1: <laughs> yeah. But what I learned is that every incremental minute I spend learning to be an installer of solar or, you know, geothermal heating or or high performance buildings is like, Not an efficient minute spent because there's so much that I don't know and so much of the background I don't have and I'm much better off and I can have a bigger impact spending that same minute trying to find a great instructor like you and get them to share what they know with with the people that that are doing the work.
0: Great. Yeah, it seems like a really good model. And Heatspring is pretty well known out there. It's kind of amazing how when I just meet people, they're just like, oh, you're the Heatspring guy. They think that there's no difference between me and Heatspring or something. Mm. Like I'm a company man. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Yeah. Sorry about that. (laughs) And and, and, and so it's also interesting, too, that we've never done any live trainings. There's been a couple of times when we kind of looked at it. And in fact, I think last Friday was supposed to be our first Live training, and I was just going to go out somewhere for a couple hours and do something near where I live. Yeah, but that's just not the business model to do live training. Have you ever done a live training with any other instructor?
1: Yeah, Sean. You know, for the first two years that we started the business, that's all we did. We that's all you did. We started doing geothermal heating certification training, and the governing body was IGSPA, which just kind of actually went defunct recently. But at the time, they were training about 50 or 100 geothermal installers. You'd come out to Oklahoma State University, and they would train you for a few days, and you'd earn your certification if you passed the test. And that's the course we took that we thought we could do better with. And so we started doing those trainings, and we were kind of like the circus. We went all around the country doing it. And we trained, I think, like 1,500 geothermal installers in like the first 18 months we were in business. I mean, it was like we tripled the base of installers in that amount of time. And it was a such a crazy time and it was all in-person events. And it was a very stressful time. It was a very exciting time, but we were, I was in every city. We would be, usually we would do it in wholesale distributors or in, or in hotel ballroom type situations. And Mm -hmm. I was on the road a ton. There was a ton of, you know, execution risk with those live events where it would snow really heavily in Buffalo in January, and we'd have to cancel the first two days. And then there was just so many logistics that were going into it. And it was exciting. It was fun. It was what we had to do at that time because online learning just wasn't what it is today. And really the step we took was we realized that some of what we were doing together in person could be done online before we even got together. And so instead of spending four days away from our families, we could really spend one or two. And so we, we moved into hybrid training for that reason. And everybody was happier. You know, nobody was happy with the thirty dollar turkey sandwiches we were buying from Hampton Inn. So it was good to me. Yeah. Thing and the the instructors, I mean, we were burning through instructors for that same reason. I mean, it was a lot of time to spend away from your family. And it's exciting for a little while, but then at some point you just think, it'd be nice to not be traveling so much. So Today, we're 100% online. However, I still think there's a place for being in the same room with people. Just because we don't do a lot of live trainings doesn't mean I don't think there's value in it. I do think that you do gain something by being in the same room with people. It is exciting to make those relationships. And, And so I don't think we're against live trainings at all. I think we expect to do more of it in the future. We think we could do a good job with it. We've done a lot of it. However, there was so much to be done in building capacity with online training that that's where we've been focused. Hmm.
0: Yeah, I just had an idea, too, that we could take my courses, cut out a little piece of it and then make it a hybrid class. We could still make it a hybrid class with the full course. We've always loved the idea,
1: too, about doing meetups. Even if you're going to do all the whole course online, if SPI comes around and we want to host like a happy hour or get together for half a day and go do a site visit at a really interesting local installation, then you're building the relationship. You're kind of reinforcing the content of the course and you're having a shared experience. So you actually kind of want to stay in touch with these people, but the actual learning can be done with everyone at their own pace, which I still think is the best way to do that. Yeah, that's a good idea. I love that stuff, especially as solar was really starting to take off in the Boston area. We used to host regular meetups of the Boston area solar companies. I still remember sitting with, like, there's a company in Boston, Nexamp, Dan Leary and Will Thompson, and they helped kind of organize and kind of spread the word among all the solar companies, and we would get together and have beer. It was fun. I mean, my favorite part of doing all this stuff is just the people you meet, and hanging out with people so I miss it when we don't do that.
0: Yeah and I'm sure like say SPI or Intersolar or something like that there's going to be a ton of people that have taken Heat Spring classes there.
1: Let's do it. When the world opens back up and we actually have events where we can get together and talk to each other let's do it.
0: Yeah and then I can actually confirm that you're not AI. sounds great you have just listened to another edition of sean white's solar and energy storage podcast as he interviews brian hayden the co-founder of heat spring which is the premier online renewable energy training platform you can find out more about heat spring classes and sean white's other classes at SolarSean.com.